0: Welcome to Pregnancy Help Podcast. This episode, uh, we're talking about some of the common myths that you hear surrounding pregnancy centers. So we'll point to some great resources for you to have available. Um, and we have a handful of guests here with us, some of the leadership team at Harpy International. Uh, let me mention that our sponsor is PregnancyHelpNews.com. This is your go-to place for the, the latest updates in the pregnancy help world. You'll find articles about centers around the world, what we're doing, the latest news on politics surrounding pregnancy pregnancy centers, but also the stories of the clients served at centers. Um, So you get a little bit of everything and you can sign up for those weekly updates so that they come straight into your inbox at pregnancyhelpnews.com. So with me here is Betty McDowell. She's the vice president of ministry services at heartbeat international. And Betty, I know we have quite a few uh, myths that we will be
1: talking about. So I will pass things off to you. Thanks so much, Christine. Well, we'll put the myths aside for right now. Let's just talk about the legends because we have some really great folks on the podcast with us today. Uh, We have our president, Jarrell Godsey, and our general counsel, Danielle White, and the vice president of communications and marketing, Andrea Treden. Uh, We thought it would be really just a great opportunity to have some kind of candid conversation about some of the things that have been um, happening, the things that we've been seeing in the news lately. And I'm so glad that you pointed out, Christine, the um, Pregnancy Help News, because I read an article from there recently. I read a lot of articles that we published there. And one in particular was written by this friend of mine, uh, Jarell Godsey, you might know him. He he made a comment uh, that I really appreciated. He said, life affirming pregnancy help should not be controversial. And he went on to talk about how helping women embrace the motherhood in which they find themselves, however they arrive there, is something everyone should be able to support. And this was something that was really valued in our culture. It's it's, uh, not so supported anymore. Um, Here at Heartbeat, we'll often say that every woman deserves love and support during an unexpected pregnancy and that no woman should ever feel so alone or coerced or hopeless that she ends her child's life through abortion. And that's a statement that really um, everyone should be able to agree with and to support. Um, We've kind of moved through our culture to something called abortion distortion. I I won't uh, park here because it's, it's in Jarrell's article. It's a great article. You can go find it and read more of the details on that. But this really has become part of our culture in the political and societal narratives. We have seen centers vandalized. Uh, we've seen politicians who are supported by a big abortion uh, really lashing out at pregnancy help centers and lashing out at abortion pill reversal. We're currently watching the introduction of what's called the SAD Act, uh, which includes all kinds of false narrative about pregnancy help. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that as we get going. But it seems that anything that dares to be an antidote to abortion is being attacked. So with that uh, set, what a cheerful, cheerful introduction, a cheerful start. But with that, I wanted to get your responses to that. Um, Let's, let's start with you, Jarrell, just Jarrell, Danielle, then Andrea, let's just kind of get your, your gut reaction uh, to kind of the scenario that exists right now. And, and why, like, what the heck is up? Why is this stuff happening?
2: I wish I knew why it was happening. I only have kind of the a sense of it, and it, it really goes to this—the very thing that creates the abortion distortion. The very thing that is, I think, behind ultimately, well, ultimately behind all of this is the the father of lies, uh, who stands against anything that God is is doing uh, and seeks to abort the purpose of God. That, like, that's the background for all of this. Uh, But in our kind of modern and contemporary world, um, there is a manifestation uh, that really is – I think really is devastating to the political conversation being productive. And that is we cannot allow anything to rise up and somehow uh, question our – our ideology. And in the case of abortion ideology, that is what's behind this, is those who stand with and for and are part of big abortion cannot allow anything to exalt itself against that particular knowledge or understanding. And that's why we see such a vehement pushback on on abortion pill reversal, which is relatively new. And that's why I think for a long time we've been seeing, uh, pushback against pregnancy help centers. This isn't, that's not new. It's just new in its concentrated form. It's new in its ex- expressed vitriol from, uh, highly elected officials or in very high places. I, it's been in the, in the. Uh, pages of NARAL's reports going back for many years, the trumped up narrative, uh, that that's being spoken of, uh, out loud now in, um, in the mainstream media, uh, echo chamber that, that they've created. So th- these are things. It's like you almost can't say anything against abortion. That, that's why, um, outside the U.S., this looks like a very curious conversation because, uh, m- almost all of the other countries in the planet, are convinced that some constraints and restrictions on abortion should be allowed. Uh, but in our country that doesn't seem to be the case, that that we're allowed to have anything. So that leaves us in the in the clutches of of the abortion industry, which dominates the culture in countries like, uh, you know, I don't know, communist China and um North Korea and and like a couple of other uh um countries which we Normally aren't interested in being aligned with, and, and that's that's just I think a reality that's a, a, unfortunately a part of the political conversation uh, today.
1: Yeah, thank you for that, and thanks for that reminder because uh, you're right. Those of us who have been involved in pregnancy help for a very long time uh, do recognize. That uh, this battle has been going on, and, and we have been uh, demonized. Um, we have, we've been, we've been uh, taken. I don't know, villainized. That goes with it by a lot of politicians over the years. And so, in one sense, it's nothing new, but it does certainly feel that the heat is turned up a bit more. So, um, go ahead, Danielle. Share
3: share your thoughts, please. Yeah, it does feel like there's a renewed vigor to the just kind of the vitriol against pregnancy help ever since, um, really ever since Dobbs. I think it, it started even before the Dobbs is out. Um, you know, Dobbs does represent a sea change in our our legal structure and in our legal understanding of abortion. Um, giving that question, that the states are going to answer it a little bit differently. <laughs> um, Challenging for people um, in in my generation uh, who were born into a world where um, you know we couldn't restrict abortion before twenty weeks, and so I think it's shocking to people, even though it might not have really represented any change in the in the blue states. Um, but I think the appropriately named for um, for the other side, because they, they are sad, (laughs) you know, I mean, we started out, Betty, you mentioned that this was kind of a, a sad introduction. The reality is it follows a very, very happy and, um, encouraging event in our nation's legal history, which is Dobbs. Um, it's, it was, it was time. It was long time for the court to right its wrongs in the Roe decision. And so, you know, some changes bring, um, instability for a little while or a sense of, um, a sense of just, you know, what, what's going to happen next. Um, but I I'm hopeful that this is going to present a lot of opportunities for, um, for pregnancy help to really step into step into the gap.
1: Thanks for that, Danielle. That's our Danielle. She, she has like a nice positive piece to put on there to, uh, to really highlight the opportunities that are before us. And Andrea, as you answer this question, maybe you can share a little bit more about this particular bill that we've now referenced just a couple of times.
4: Of course, yeah. And um, I was going to kind of bounce off of what Danielle said a little bit too, because we are fully immersed one generation deep now into Roe was the reality. So I think that a lot of that does come into play here. And then um, we know of many different things uh, statements and those comments against pregnancy centers that have been around for 30 years. I want to say, if not beyond that, um, that they've kind of been working on their messaging against pregnancy centers for quite a while. And, um, yeah, that sad act that we've talked about a little bit, that is, um, it stands for the stop anti-abortion disinformation act. And it was put in, um, front of Congress by, or sorry, in front of the Senate by several, um, not so friendly to, uh, pregnancy center <laughs> senators, basically, if you are familiar with any of the claims over the years, we post them at pregnancy center truth. That is a lie about a pregnancy center. You can pretty much find it in this act, um, where they are talking about, um, how horrible pregnancy centers are for women that, um, how, They couldn't possibly be bringing any good into communities and basically just denying the effectiveness that pregnancy centers do provide for women and families and making them stronger. Um, So I do encourage you looking at them because it does get into the details of where they're really claiming things that are factually untrue or missing context, which is not uncommon uh, in the media or in Bills like this, but some of them uh, attack the fact that pregnancy centers are in underserved communities or that we target under resourced neighborhoods and communities of color. Never mind the fact that pregnancy help organizations exist nationwide in both rural and urban locations, never mind the fact that most, if not all, the services are provided for free to anyone in pregnancy need. Um that's just one of the various claims but um I do I, I don't want to get too into the weeds on it because it just gives them more time and more uh space in our brains about how much how many lies they are willing to state um that are just patently wrong about pregnancy help organizations and the people who commit their time and donate their time, treasures, talent in order to serve communities, it goes against the narrative. And so the fact that the pregnancy center's good work is going against the narrative of these senators and to put it bluntly, the abortion lobby that funds them, um, it just kind of puts it out there that this is a completely malicious bill that they are introducing simply to advance uh, the abortion lobby. And that's, point blank, what it is. Again, it's the stop anti-abortion disinformation act. If you want to look into the details more, I get a little bit feistier every paragraph I read because I was going through highlighting key lies that are in it. And basically my entire document is yellow um, because it's just full of falsehoods that are so easily debunked.
2: Look at what it, look at what it says. Targeted with what? With pregnancy help. Like (laughs) <laughs> even the, on the face oh, of my. it, that's, that's ridiculous <laughs> uh, that, to be concerned about that. Like, what What are they concerned about? And this is the, this puts the lie to the abortion lobby, that they're not just about choice. They are all about abortion. And abortions apparently, according to them, should happen every time that someone even thinks it might be a possibility. And that is or might be something that they would maybe need. And that, to me, is just um, in one sense they're they're being exposed for their lie about that they've foisted upon our culture about this is all about choice. It has long ago not been about choice. It's about the choice of abortion, which is if you only have one choice, is not, then it's not a choice. It's a, now it's moving to be a demand. It's moving to be something that that we can't necessarily. Allow, which is which is exactly where you started us, Betty. Which is what anything that dares to be an antidote to abortion is must be attacked, and it's part of the cancel culture. It's a it's a, a symptom of and, and even the very heart of the cancel culture.
4: Well, and it, it, Danielle did an amazing job writing um, an amicus brief for us in behalf of the Dobbs case, where it, she thwarted the lie point blank of. They were pushing a narrative that a woman needs an abortion needs to have access to abortion, uh, to, in order to be successful. And we got to actually share the stories of pregnancy centers and the moms who've been served by them and how through the help of pregnancy centers in their low or in their community, they have been able to both be a mother and, you know, have a career live a successful life in spite of, um, a moment of their life where they felt overwhelmed and confused and abortion was a consideration, but through the encouragement of their pregnancy help organization, they were empowered to take it beyond and overcome that trial.
1: So I I like this idea of pregnancy help is where women need help. So interestingly enough, when we talk about that particular claim, um, where do we find abortion providers. Where do we find the uh, largest abortion provider in the nation? Where are they located? Um, So in case you didn't know, folks, it's, it's actually in African-American communities. So of course we would be in those same locations.
2: Largely urban communities. In fact, in fact, they're there, and they've been, uh, Planned Parenthood in particular has been steadily eliminating its rural centers uh, to focus their efforts on these large um, mega abortion sites, you know that are, um, are what, what is the one in Houston is seventy thousand square feet, and and uh, this is a, which is a, a very much a symbol of targeting uh, the the minority communities uh, who who are predominantly within urban settings.
1: I think it's interesting if you go back to the mission and vision of organizations. And looking at Heartbeat, kind of the short, like the really short version of, you know, a world where abortion is unwanted today and unthinkable for future generations. Uh, So, of course, we're going to be in those places. And then going back to the roots of uh, Planned Parenthood, the largest abortion provider and their mission, uh, which would put them in black communities, eliminating um, a black uh, community. So very interesting. They've, they will, I will say they've stuck close to that mission of their organization and we have stuck very close to ours as well. All right. So that is actually one of the claims. We're going to grab a couple of others um, that we wanted to talk about. And this one is, is uh, it's interesting because it's, the claim is that we rely on deception. And when we talk about we, I'm talking about pregnancy help organizations uh, somehow rely on deception. Uh, these are the myths, the lies, the claims. Um, so let's talk about the truth of that. And um, let's see, maybe Danielle, maybe you can start us off and then we'll do a little round robin here.
3: Yeah, I, I, I'm not actually sure entirely what that means, that pregnancy centers rely on deception. Um, I, I suppose the claim is that pregnancy centers are deceptive. Um, And that claim is just patently false. Um, These are organizations that are dedicated to ensuring that women have the information that they need to make an informed decision about their pregnancy. And, you know, I've been in enough depositions where um, it has become clear that the same cannot necessarily be said when a woman enters into uh, an abortion facility. And so, I find it just very, very ironic. The reality is that women deserve to have the information that they need to make that decision, Um, especially because this is a decision that many women later come back to report was coerced, um, a decision that she didn't feel like she could make freely. And so when you have such high stakes as a woman um, who feels like she can't make a decision for herself or she feels like she um, is being coerced to make a certain decision, it's really, really important that somebody who is not financially interested in her making a certain decision, um, be involved somewhere in the picture. And so these pregnancy centers, you know, they don't, they don't, uh, profit from any decision that she makes. They support her regardless of her decision. Um, so this one is just particularly insidious because, um, (laughs) <laughs> For uh it's it's deceptive. <laughs> it is a deception to say that pregnancy centers are deceptive. It's just not true. Thanks, Danielle.
1: This is what I wish we kind of did these on video so that everybody could see our, our smiling faces and our nodding faces. And um, I know Darrell, you've got some things that you can specifically share about this because of um really the the leadership alliance of uh pregnancy care organizations and uh, how we view this. So would you introduce that for us?
2: Sure. The, this is one of the things that uh, uh, is kind of befuddling because it's, uh, other than the fact that we know that the claim is, has no, has no merit and it's, it's based, as Danielle said, in deception itself, the, the, the leadership Alliance of pregnancy care organizations is one where the major affiliate groups and other uh, other uh ministries that are national to the U.S. and focusing on pregnancy help services, uh, has, has crafted something called the commitment of care and competence. And, and its history goes back into the nineties and, and it actually became codified in 2001 and then expanded, uh, expanded, not, not adjusted, not altered, but expanded, uh, in 2009 and, and then has had further expansions and, and even a couple of clarifications. But throughout that entire time, has been this idea that all of our communications and advertising is truthful. And so the idea that somehow we rely on deception is is just it's not even not even reasonable to make that consideration. And that we we keep it keep an eye on such things. You know, we we make adjustments. Are there are there those who are are making um uh, some kind of forays into some areas that we, we question, um, for sure, because uh, advertising is changing. I, you know, if we go back to the 90s, we were still relying on. On billboards and bus benches, and not that those aren 't valuable vehicles, we actually back in those days used something which i 'm not sure anyone today even knows that exists something called yellow pages right and and like we don 't even know what those are these days because we 've moved into the digital world where we 're all learning you know how that goes, and so we these are things that we watch very carefully and that we want we want to uh, represent ourselves well at the same time we, we want to be able to reach those that are in these kind of decisions and and perhaps perhaps even rescue them from a predatory practices of a profiteering group, such as Planned Parenthood, or that was a lot of peas, by the way. Um, I was uh, impressed. Or, I
1: just want you to know yeah. there's a lot of alliteration.
2: <laughs> or big abortion as a whole. You know, the, the, we forget uh, easily sometimes that these are places that exist f- to uh, to raise to to raise their own standard, they're are profit oriented, and as Danielle called out, that look, this is some, something that she should have uh, uh, somewhere to. Really, to have this conversation for those who don't profit from her decision, and that's exactly where we are. We want the best for her. We we certainly want to champion a life affirming decision. We can't make her do that, uh, but we want to make sure that she's making an informed decision. Which, unfortunately, uh, uh, those on the abortion side are not only not interested in it; they work to defeat such efforts. You know, they they work against the ultrasound uh requirements uh the informed consent requirements we are in a in a couple of battles now where that's an issue they 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 work against informed consent uh so that because apparently they're concerned about a woman uh operating with all of the information that she needs to make such a critical decision and of course that's not something that we believe we believe that that when she's informed and she has all the information she'll make the best decision for her
4: i think it's important to remember too that Time and again, satisfactory ratings excel from our pregnancy help organizations by actual clients. So as our clients are leaving our pregnancy centers across the board, it's above 95%, five stars, satisfaction. They are happy. And quite often uh, women discover pregnancy centers through their friends, Friends don't tell friends to go to mean places. They tell friends where they need to go when they need to find a place for help and good encouragement and support. And that's important and lost often by these articles that slam pregnancy centers, um, quoting what they refer to in scare quotes as experts, though, they tend to be the same three people in every article that you read, um, who are speaking this way. So it is important to remember the clients in this case. And by far the women and men that we serve like us and they advocate for us.
1: Thank you, my feisty friend, Andrea. (laughs) All right. I want to move us on to uh, a third one. We'll probably maybe spend a little more time here. Um, And that is this claim about how pregnancy centers, um, they say we're unlicensed uh, so we don't fall under medical board requirements that uh, we don't employ medical uh, personnel. And this is a really interesting one, I think, for us to address. And so I'm kind of looking around to see who we should grab first. Um, how, about we, how about we go with you, Danielle? And let's have you talk about this maybe from kind of that legal perspective. And then we'll, we'll let Andrea and Jarrell jump in.
3: Well, this is this is another one um, that is a little bit of a head scratcher because a lot of in a lot of states there isn't a licensure to be had for the types of services that pregnancy centers are offering and so while it may be strictly true to say that they're unlicensed it's it self-deceptive because even if they wanted to be licensed, the centers themselves, they couldn't be. There is no licensing regime um, for them to ask the government to give them a license to help women through an unexpected pregnancy. Um, in those states where it is required for them to be licensed, they are. Um, and then, uh, you know, their medical professionals are very much licensed. And so it, it's just... It's a little bit of a sleight of hand to say, oh, these pregnancy centers aren't licensed. Um, mm-hmm, yep, that's true. Uh, where exactly should they be seeking a license for this type of this type of information, this type of assistance to women? So um, it's another one that it's, it's just very easy to, to say and then takes a few more words to debunk, <laughs> um, but not too many more. The reality is that there isn't a license for them to even seek.
2: That's why it's easy to say our, our our medical services comply with all applicable laws, same as any other medical clinic is required to apply. Right, so this is this is where the abortion distortion comes back, is because uh, our abortion providers uh, over the last. Thirty-five years have been consistently pushing back on re- on the exact regulation that the, that that is kind of being leveraged to make this claim. Um, they have pushed back on reporting laws. They have pushed back on 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 um, hospital privileges laws. They have pushed back at every turn that they can. They've only been able to f- find footing in certain friendly states, and uh, they they've had some of the these kind of regulatory shifting uh, approaches. Uh, Have been kind of um, uh, responded to as far as some in some uh, life states have pushed back on this, Uh, but this is the this is the other half of this kind of distorted uh, statement. Is not only is it not true of pregnancy centers, it's absolutely true of the abortion industry. This is so much behind this is kind of a sense of projection. Uh, from the other side, uh, they, they're they constantly projecting, trying to project on the pregnancy centers what we actually know to be true of the abortion clinics.
1: It's a good point. Good point, Jarrell. All right, Andrea, you want to you wanna chime in on this?
4: Yeah, I can go on for days about the projection because it's quite interesting and, and it's so infuriating because at the same time where we have states purposely pushing for investigations of pregnancy centers. We also know that they are doing exactly what Jarrell said, where it's like, oh, there's been um, a somebody has a, a complained about an abortionist um, and they're refusing to even investigate or they're refusing to even look at laws that could possibly regulate any aspect um, of common sense regulations um, for or, uh, facilities that do provide, um, surgical medical procedures. So it's, it is very infuriating. And I know in our own home state of Ohio, um, city ordinances are being pushed and they are literally, um, allowing pro-choice organizations and giving them money to investigate pregnancy centers. And that it, it it boggles my mind. And the fact that the bias is not just seen it's promoted, um, is very sad because to claim that you're doing something for women and then just flat out dismiss the harm that is happening to these women. Um, I can only speak really closely about in Columbus and in Ohio, but the fact that we follow these women's lives and see how things are done and specifically at the abortion clinics and if lives are harmed and they are, and they're just dismissing all that to investigate pregnancy centers.
2: Look at the reverse of that. The fact that they have to create, this is the same thing in New York, by the way, the state of New York, they have to create some some type of mechanism to investigate the pregnancy centers. But apparently, they have such evidence that they can draft a bill to go ahead and, and do this. That's the whole premise of the, what the sad bill, which is frankly what it is. It's a very sad attempt, uh, by abortion lobby to uh, advance their own will. But the fact that they have to create an investiga- investigatory, is that a word? Investigatory? I don't know. It an is investigative now. environment, um, then, then they, that proves that they don't really have what it what it takes or they don't have the evidence even to support their own claims that's why they have to kind of empower uh the their their government friends to leverage government tools and taxpayer funding to go after uh grassroots community efforts that are pregnancy centers like this is uh there's a level to this that is that is exceptionally frankly offensive uh to uh any well-meaning taxpayer you know that that the if if people really understood what was going on behind behind the, these actions and activities and how they are all about leveraging political power uh I think they would be appalled uh but unfortunately the mainstream media has no interest in kind of calling this out or even doing the the basic legwork that uh journalists are used to do uh, I I realize those are in short supply these days uh, certainly they aren't to be found on any any of the major networks Sorry, the snark has come out, right so <laughs> it gets too easy with this subject because it's such a frustrating scenario um, frustrating because what we what we really want is we want to be uh, able to 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 go at this on a level playing field. We simply want people to recognize the fact that that what's happening at pregnancy centers is good and it's good for everyone involved you know we don't have we don't have women dying in pregnancy centers like that like that happens in abortion clinics we don't have babies um, that are losing their lives uh, through the through the efforts of pregnancy help like happens all the time with abortion. That's the actual expectation of an abortion is that a baby dies. And so it's really unfortunate that more and more people can't see through this. Um, and it goes back, I think, ultimately, to the to the father of lies who distorts all of this uh, for the sake of, frankly, the culture of death and darkness that has been a part of our land for greater than 50 years. Yeah,
1: uh, thank you for that. Um, I, I also am thinking about that whole question of the uh, license, the unlicensed. And while, as Danielle puts out, there are very few places where that is required, and certainly we follow all laws related to that, we know that we have a growing group of professionals, of doctors, of nurses, and many others who have been stepping in and volunteering their time. Um, and serving women, and they certainly are licensed, and they are professionals. So, I think that's that's an important uh, point for us to be able to say to others. It's been it's been amazing watching the growth of the movement and the growth of professionals stepping in. And I don't want to lose this moment because there's a there's something that I feel like that keeps popping up in the news. And I know Jarrell, you talked about this at a, on a recent interview, and that is. There's this this piece that's out there that says oh it's dangerous to uh, go into a pregnancy center it's dangerous to um, tell to give your personal information to a pregnancy center It's that issue of confidentiality And so I wondered if you could address per- perhaps that um, pulling from some of the things that I heard you say in a recent interview
2: Sure I this is a very interesting. Narrative that that is trying to be pushed is somehow uh, the pregnancy centers are in a position to do something nefarious with personal health information. Uh, when in fact, th- this is exactly what has been happening at the abortion industry. They they have the have they have had their own uh, Planned Parenthood in particular has had their own uh, product. I, I mentioned this in a conversation with it with a uh, being interviewed by a a major publication and they were surprised to find this out like suddenly they were questioning us because it's popped up as a narrative uh and because we happen to have a software called Next Level and that we we uh have uh, uh sent pregnancy centers are using it and of course they in that immediately through this projection idea they they're gravely concerned about this because of what it might mean for the the, the private health information. Uh, but what they fail to understand is that our entire movement was built on this idea of confidentiality. And it was it has been so ingrained for us, and I believe it it really comes from the 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 early professionals that were involved in this movement, who by the way came from the medical community and also from the the community of social work. These are professionals who recognize the value of of confidentiality in serving those who were in difficult situations, and it has been a part of it. I mentioned earlier that this comes that the commitment of care and competence came came to us really from principles that were laid laid down, you know but long before they were actually officially codified and that our movement has always been interested in confidentiality and and really have have only um uh, uh uh had to uh set that aside when the law has required us to do so and and that comes when she's maybe she's uh afraid of of um we, we're afraid that she's might harm herself or she might harm someone else or someone else could harm her and so in those instances and only those instances ha- have has anything um about confidentiality been in question. It's always been a a, a primary concern for us. Now, what the the expectation is is somehow because a law exists somewhere that constrains and confines certain people, uh, that it may not absolutely apply to us is what the other side finds troubling, uh, because that's, you know that's frankly where where their concerns lie they they as journalists don't want to be don't want to have to be told that they have to reveal their sources or have to provide any information that they don't want to but they that you know without a law somewhere existing to do that but they certainly expect uh, uh, grassroots pregnancy centers to be um under the, the heavy thumb of government to make sure that doesn't happen when they don't have any any evidence that any, anything is ever untoward has ever been done. They don't present any factual information or concerns. They just like suppose this is the case, um, maybe because that's exactly what 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 they are doing. Again, it's a might be a projection thing. And these rules that were invented to um, protect people's uh, health information were not out, we're not about us. They were about insurance companies and other big, giant giant corporations, which might actually treat that information uh, with less scrutiny. Um, you know, big billion-dollar corporations, like, I don't know, Planned Parenthood?
1: Oh, <laughs> well, see, it's not just Andrea. I have three feisty friends um, on the podcast. All right. As we begin to wrap things up, I wanted to give each of you an opportunity to uh, give us a like fun fact, uh, something that you really love about uh, the Pregnancy Help community. So, who's ready? I see the look on Andrea's face. Darrell, you look ready. Let's have you go first, and then we'll grab Andrea and Danielle.
2: Well, the fun fact for me about the pregnancy help community is that these are God's people doing God's work. Like, there's no question. Um, we, it's been done. It's you know, actually, pregnancy help has been around for a long time. It's been it goes back to we go take it all the way back to the uh, Hebrew midwives that we find in Scripture, and then we, of course, see a sense of it happening at the, around the time of of the Christ child being born. We see pregnancy help occurring. And, it, and then we see it throughout the ages. And we're only the, the, the most recent iteration of that. And in a much more of a, a direct confrontational mentality, although frankly, you know, the we have Herod uh, uh, going and, and slaughtering the innocents is uh, certainly a uh, same time of Christ's that that was happening. But here we are in our modern times facing into something. And what we have are committed people who are stepping out for some who, you know, for those that will maybe never this side of heaven know exactly uh, how their impact was made. And so that to me is uh, what the kind of hidden gem that I'm always mindful of.
1: That was great. All right, Andrea, you're up.
4: I love how many people I've interacted with over 20 years um, who were called to this movement through something in their own personal life. So it's, it's the fact that from personal experience, either directly with abortion or through, um, family members, the passion is completely ignited inside of them to simply help women. And that's the thing that I find time. And again, it's either to help empower women in order to, um, just, know that abortion is not her only choice and really willing to sacrifice their time their um materials like everything they are willing to do to help a complete stranger who just entered their door um and needs a little bit of help and needs some time um all the way to the uh, the women who had a conversion experience a few years ago after experiencing their own personal abortion and bringing that experience that hurt that healing and that love into pour in others and just the fact that i've met a lot of people in a lot of different pregnancy centers um through my time here at heartbeat and it's it everybody has such a personal story and reason for their passion um and ultimately it it serves the woman best and that's always at the heart of it is that woman thanks andrea and you danielle
3: you know, I think what makes the pregnancy help movement so um, so special and so unique is really something that you just can't quantify with statistics and um, and numbers, which is so hard because <laughs> if we could quantify it with with uh, concrete numbers, it would be unstoppable. Um, but it's that X factor. It's that it is. There's just no way to adequately explain the level of support and care that women find there. And, um, I like Andrea have had the privilege of interacting with so many leaders, local leaders in their local communities. And what strikes me every time is just the level of compassion that they have for the women in their communities. Um, these are people who I would go to if, if I had, um, if I received bad news about a pregnancy, um, or if I received heartbreaking news about a pregnancy and I needed encouragement, um, these are people I would go to that I would consider my friends that um, that I know would uplift me. Uh, and I think we we talk a lot about you know the material aid and and the the medical services and the ultrasound services and we should those are all wonderful things. But the reality is that these centers also just walk with women. There's they they have relationship with them they um, they don't just give them an ultrasound and then send them on their way. A, a lot of times these relationships that are formed are lifelong between the centers and their clients. And it's just a really, really, really beautiful thing. And so I think what pregnancy help offers the world it is, is something that the world is starving for, which is true and authentic relationship. So it's a, it's a really a beautiful thing.
1: Wow. That was very beautifully said. Thank you so much. Uh, I agree with everything that you, all three of you have said. I think uh, I am always amazed by the, just the uniqueness of the individuals who are part of these organizations and also stepping back and looking at the fact that the Holy Spirit is really in charge and placing all of these ministries, all of these organizations um, in place to serve women. There's no great, huge business plan that is being formed here on earth, right? We talk about, you know, that, hey, Starbucks had a plan and CVS and Walgreens, they had a plan on where they should actually uh, place all of these um, stores. And while, while that's valuable, and we know that as we study, we know that there are places and locations and people and pathways and all those things that we need to put into place. Um, it is actually led by the Holy Spirit. And that's, just amazing to me. So the vastness of it, and then the detail uniqueness of it. And um, boy, that's how I feel about the three of you, the uniqueness of each of you and what you bring to Heartbeat, what you bring that influences and blesses the movement. And so with that, I'm going to turn things back over to our wonderful Christine. Thanks so much, Christine. And Thanks, Jarrell and Andrea
0: and Danielle. Thank you. So, I know we had a lot of resources and things that we can link to in the show notes. So, be sure to check out the description on this podcast page. That includes pregnancyhelpnews.com, where you can get the latest updates on the pregnancy help world. Um, also, pregnancycentertruth.com. That's another great resource that you can use, um, easy to share with others. And uh, it covers even some of the topics that we couldn't cover in this episode um, because I told Betty to stop after 45 minutes or so, but we could keep going on. So if you're interested in more content, we actually did an episode not too long ago on abortion myths. So if you're interested in getting more into um, some of the medical aspects of the pro-life movement and uh, some of the common abortion myths that we've been hearing recently, check that one out. I'll also post a link to that one as well. So with that, uh, make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. And thanks for listening to this episode of the Pregnancy Help Podcast.